Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 168. Woohoo! And, <laughs> and it's titled Sexual Attraction and Bisexuality. Okay, so we're going to cover, you know, what is sexual attraction and. We're going to cover sexual attraction to not just the opposite sex, but also the same sex. And what does that mean? And how do you know that you're bisexual? I am going to state up front that uh, I am definitely not an expert in bisexuality or homosexuality or transgender or any of that kind of stuff. And there are going to be certain aspects of this topic that we are not going to discuss because it's not relevant to the point that we want to make today. So if you're listening to this, right, here's what I don't want. I don't want people to go, you didn't talk about transgender and you didn't include this and you did. We're not attempting to be all inclusive here. There's a certain aspect of this that we want to cover today in this show. And we're going to stick to that. And really, this came from a client of mine that I'm working with, and she is in a relationship in a heterosexual relationship married and her husband could notice that she had some kind of repression like that there was an attraction for her towards other women but that she never gave herself permission to do that so he was really encouraging her to explore that and this is something that she and I worked on together as well for her to get some clarity around that And I helped her with different views around what does it mean. And so really, that's the angle we're going to approach it more from, that place of being um, somebody who identifies as a heterosexual person, whether you're male or female, uh, but then who might have uh, different attractions or a desire for exploration uh, through the same sex. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you said that the way that you said that, because we are predominantly heterosexual. And so we're going to be speaking about this from our area of expertise, which is what we have personally experienced. (laughs) Yes. And I have some same sex experience and we'll talk more about that in the show. So I feel like um, this is going to help other people or other couples. Oh, oh, oh yeah. There there could definitely be some juicy personal stories on both sides here. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsor, Power and Mastery. So if you'd want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. All right, you to start out with, you put a quote here on the show notes that I think actually sums this topic up fairly well. Do you want to read it? Yeah, so this is the definition, I think, that is the most inclusive in terms of what does it mean to be bisexual, and it comes from Robin Ox, who's an um, activist, and, and he does different things like that, but... This is what the definition says. I call myself a bisexual because I acknowledge in myself 
the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexual, sexually to people of more than one sex. Not necessarily at the same time, not necessarily in the same way, and not necessarily to the same degree. Yeah. All right. That's the end of the show. That's all you need to know. So, <laughs> no, but it, it, it actually does a really great job. And I think we'll talk about this as we go through the show more. But I love the part towards the end that says, not necessarily at the same time, in the same way, or to the same degree. And that's going to be important, I think, as we talk about some of these different things. So, next, you also found uh, on the Kinsey. Institute website a test to know whether or not you are bisexual and it asks you about I don't know eight questions or something like that and then it gives you a score so you took the test and I took the test yeah so if you've been wondering am I bisexual or not you could go and just type Kinsey scale test and it will pop up for you and you can take the questions you know, and the test for yourself. So my score was predominantly heterosexual, but more than incidentally homosexual. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So I also took the test and mine came up predominantly heterosexual, only incidentally homosexual. So now you might be asking the question as I did, what does incidentally homosexual mean? And honestly, I have no fucking idea. So I, when this score came up and I don't care what it says, like I'm not ashamed of anything. We talk about everything on this show. It's like, if you don't already know where I lean, like you just haven't been listening long enough. So I was curious. I was like, only incidentally homosexual. I'm like, how did they even get incidentally homosexual out of the way I answered those questions? So I went back and I looked at the questions again. Every question I answered was straight up, you know, male heterosexual. But there was one question on there. And that question said something along the lines of the thought of having sex with the same sex is. And then it gave you a bunch of choices, like, like it was a turn-on, it was uh, whatever, it was tolerated, it was disgusting, it was horrible, you know, like, you get the idea of the range. And I simply answered tolerable to it. <laughs> and so that's how somehow I got incidentally homosexual, which I think is... is I don't know, maybe somewhat misleading. And so I'm going to, this is where we can talk about our own personal experiences a little bit here, you know, with, with, you know. Are you going to talk about your incidental homosexual experience, Kevin? <laughs> Are you going there or no? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that. I totally forgot about it until you just mentioned it. Okay. Oh, this, this is such a great story. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up, actually. I've told this story so many times to so many people, and I laugh every time I tell it. Okay. So we, meaning both of us, had this longtime friend who used to throw these really somewhat crazy parties at times. And they weren't always sexual parties, but, you know, there, some of them were just kind of crazy. So he threw several times this party where you, it was basically a dinner party, only you were eating sushi off the naked bodies of people. And so uh, in this particular case, there was one naked female and one naked male. 
And so you get to choose who you want to eat your sushi off of. <laughs> and you happen to be the sushi platter. I happened to be the male sushi platter on this occasion um, because I thought it would be freaking hysterical. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's not all it's cracked up to be because sushi is cold. <laughs> it is very cold and you're naked in a room. And yeah, it's just, it wasn't actually all that enjoyable. Anyway, that's a whole nother, whole nother subject. <laughs> So uh, there happens to be a bunch of uh, people all kind of around me as a table, and they're a mix of men and women. And so, you know, how much they interact with your physical body is kind of up to you and up to them. Oh, my, I forgot. You forgot one element. I forgot one very critical element <laughs> of this story. Okay, before we sit down, some friends of mine say, Oh yeah, we've we've got these uh, marijuana chocolates. Uh, do you want any? And I was like, Oh man, edibles and me just do not get along. Like we <laughs> we really just do not get along. So I was like, Well, I I just to taste it, I'll just nip the corner off it. Like that's it. Like I don't I don't even want to feel high. I'm just curious. I want to taste it. I just nip the corner of this thing. And as I'm sitting there just talking with people, I can feel it coming on. It's hitting me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and at some point, it's time to get up and go into the other room and become a table. <laughs> and I can barely get up and walk across the room. Like, that's how ridiculous this has hit me. So right away, I'm going, oh, no, this is not good. This is not where I want it to be. This is not what I was expecting. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, the, the critical part of the story is, is that I was completely out of it. As I lay down at the table, I just closed my eyes and I'm like, I just, I, the whole room is spinning right now. <laughs> so now there's a mix of men and women around me uh, at the table here. And, you know, most people in this situation like this, even though we pretty much all know each other and we've known each other for years and, you know, we've had sometimes sexual relationships with multiple people that were there over the years at different times, ex-girlfriends, whatever, boyfriends, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so most people are being really civil and polite and, you know, they're just, some are just taking sushi off you with their fingers, some are using their mouths, but it, it, it's pretty tame. So at one point, I kind of like look up to see like who's around me and as uh, the room is spinning and then I just put my head back down. Well, you know, people are just taking sushi and whatever. And at some point, somebody actually takes sushi that's closer to my groin, but then d decides to basically give me a blowjob. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, wow, that's really brave considering who's around the table. And, you know, I, I was so out of it, I couldn't even pick up my head to figure out who it was or what was happening. <laughs> and it was only later on that I started to realize, wait a minute, the only person who was close enough at that table to reach that part of my body was actually a man. And I thought, huh, I wonder... But I had no idea, and it was already too late. Everybody was moved and gone and, like, switched up, and I have no idea what happened. So here we are about a year later, and I'm telling this story, and some of the people that were there were present while I'm telling this story. 
And so I, I end the story with, to this day, I still do not know if that was a man or a woman. And so a friend of mine who is a man, not the man, but who is a man, <laughs> just gets a big smile on his face and he says, um, <clears throat> uh, Kevin, I was there and it was a man. <laughs> so I did not know that until about a year later. I had no idea. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you score predominantly heterosexual <laughs> and incidentally homosexual. <laughs> just so we're clear. All yeah. right. Well, you know, and the thing is, is like, honestly, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> like, if your eyes are closed, like, you don't know the difference, you know, like, whatever. Well, if the person's shaven, for sure. It's much harder. <laughs> That's true. If they haven't shaven and it's a little rough, then maybe you, you might will. notice the difference. You will, yes. I, I mean, of course, I was pretty out of it, too, but I had absolutely no idea. But here's the thing. Coming back to the only incidentally homosexual is the fact that when I was made aware of that, that it was a guy, I honestly didn't care. Mm. I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty funny, whatever, I don't care. So now some people may be thinking, oh, well, there you go. You see, that means you're bisexual. But I disagree with that. And I'll tell you why. Because, <clears throat> you know, you, you and I are nudists. We've even did a show on our experience going to Cap Dog in France, the Naked City, and all that kind of stuff. So... We've been around a lot of naked people. I have seen a lot of naked men and a lot of naked women. And here's the thing. If I see a naked woman, especially if she's attractive, like I feel like I feel almost like an emotional, like I, there's a, there's a energetic something that just starts to move inside my body. I'm like, oh, I, I feel it viscerally. I feel it like this attraction, like, oh man, look at that. Ah, uh, you know, I can look at a naked man that has an exquisite body and I don't feel that. What I feel is like, wow, he's really ripped. Like, whew, man, I wish my abs looked like his. <laughs> like, that's often like the reaction that I'll have. Or I'll even say if we see someone at the beach with an abnormally large penis, I'll be like, hey, Sully, check that. <laughs> the size of that thing, you know? <laughs> but I don't feel it viscerally. I don't feel anything inside. There's nothing like, oh, yeah. And that's how I know that I would consider myself heterosexual. You know, it, it's not because of any experiences I've had, per se, because, you know, I just told you about an, an experience with a guy. But I just, I don't feel it inside. I'm not like, uh. But with women, it's like... Man, I could just see a picture on Facebook of like an attractive woman and I feel it. I'm like, oh, so that's how I know, you know. Well, the conversation around bisexuality and bisexuality is a very important one to have, especially for women, because I think that we women are pretty much all of us are bisexual, meaning that we feel very comfortable being around other women, it's natural to touch each other's hair, maybe even boobs or body, to have a sensuality and a closeness to other female. And some women have attraction to where they would lean more towards bisexual, 
But I think if we were being really honest as women, we have that bisexuality kind of as innate, as something natural, and that if we gave ourselves permission, I mean, just put a few women together at a spa uh, and just notice what happens. We're kind of touching each other, all over each other. There is a sensuality that happens. Now, something that's interesting that I wanted to bring up too is just because you have an attraction towards somebody else doesn't mean you have to act on it. And where people get it wrong is they start to torture themselves and then they start to stifle the energy down because they're thinking this is not good, I shouldn't. And when you do that, you are literally cutting off some of the life force energy that comes through you and you can't even have it for your own partner anymore if you constantly bring this down. Now, just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to act on it. Yeah, that that's a great point. I also want to come back a little bit to, you were just explaining how women are when they get together. And it is totally common and normal for women to be, you know, they go to the bathroom into the same stall with each other all the time, or they're trying on each other's clothes or trying on each other's lingerie or feeling each other's boobs. Hey, check these out, you know, like totally normal with 100% heterosexual women, this kind of stuff happens all the time. But with men, it almost never happens. Like, it just doesn't. And believe me, I had a lot of friends that are totally, you know, a lot of them are bisexual or they're at least bisexual. Like, they're not afraid to give a guy a shoulder massage or whatever or, or look at him naked. But they, we just don't do that kind of stuff. We just don't. They went for a mountain bike ride the other day. We get back to the truck and my friend just, you know, because we got a couple of stops on the way home. He just, in the in a parking lot, rips off all his clothes and he's standing there naked and changes again. But nobody cares. Nobody says anything. Nobody even thinks twice. Like, I didn't even, even notice, actually, at first, because uh, I was, like, loading bikes in the, in the truck and stuff. And then I was like, oh, yeah, he's naked over there, you know? Like, but nobody says anything or cares because those guys, we... We really just don't care, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so I want to come back to how do you know if you're like bisexual, if you are asking yourself. So some of the signs are things like if you frequently have thoughts about exploring sexually with both sexes. And it could just be in your head, but if you've played with either one, then that could be a good sign. Sign number two is that you feel sexually attracted to the same sex and... Um, you identify, if you identify as a heterosexual, then you're like, oh, there is still this other part. So that's kind of telling you that. Number three, you repress your attraction when you feel it's not conventional or it's not what it should be. So this is, I think a lot of men find themselves there because they don't want to feel something if there was something there. I think just women, like just people, most likely it comes from like more religious upbringing or just societal pressure and then they're like I won't fit so I shouldn't be so I'm going to repress it and this can go even further into our sign number four where your own gender makes you nervous where kind of that homophobic where they go this they like it so much and there are a lot of movies by the way like this where the guy's a douchebag and and he's like making all these silly jokes and like kind of like don't touch me dude it's gonna make us gay and then in the end of the movie like he like comes out as being gay right like oh, we've yeah. seen more than one of those stories what, in this what was that stuff. really funny movie uh 
Road Trip. Not Road Trip or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> hysterical. Go watch it. It has nothing really to do with being gay whatsoever, but it's a very funny movie and it has that sort of subplot in the background. Um, we have a couple more signs here. If you can't seem to be making up your mind, one day it's one thing, the other day it's something else. And last but not least, you, you usually free, you frequently watch bisexual porn like or, or read stories of bisexuality or like that's your go-to for your erotic material. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is a list that we made up sort of off the top of our heads. After I wrote the list, and, it's, you know, for us, it's a short list. If you listen to the show, we give you a lot of long lists. This was a kind of a short list. And I was like kind of having trouble thinking of things to put on the list. So I said, okay, when that happens, I go out and I research and I think, what do other people say? And honestly, there, there are a bunch of lists out there. You can go find them on the internet, but, but most of them really aren't much different than this. They'll use different words and they'll, they'll add a couple of things here and there that are like, eh, maybe, maybe not. But what that tells us is, is that there isn't any clear cut like, oh, if you do this or you feel this, then you must be this, right? It's not that black and white. And that's kind of the point that we're making here. These things that we gave you in the list are just ideas to get you started thinking uh, and doing the inquiry as to, hmm, am I, am I not? So for my personal experience, I would say also that my sexuality has evolved over the years and hasn't always been the same or attraction. I've always felt like naturally bisexual. And when I had opportunity to explore with women, it was not a good time. And then later in life, it came back and I was able to explore and, and have um, sexual experiences with women. And I was really questioning myself and the I think we come back to that definition at the beginning where you can feel attraction to both sexes but not always to the same degree not always at the same times not always equal and for me I've seen that over the years things have changed and there were times where I was really really into uh, a woman but I still had a male partner because the experience I have sexually with a woman is not the same than with a man it's just not the same and I like both and then there are times in life where maybe you don't want one or the other you know you're just like really satisfied with one and so for me I've noticed that it has changed so just because you're claiming per se a label or having an experience doesn't mean that you're going to be in it for life and maybe sometimes it's something you want to explore to get it out of your system to know more what you like and and just make up your own mind and maybe it's something you might come back to way later down the road so be willing to be flexible be willing to be open with how it shows up for you yeah that and that's a really good point is is it's not static or set in stone and that it might fluctuate over time you know another thing that i would put out there too is that if we look historically you know through different cultures over you know, hundreds or even thousands of years, we see that what is considered socially acceptable changes depending on the period of time. You know, if you go back and study the Greeks or Romans, you would know that homosexuality and bisexuality and orgies and all that kind of stuff was totally normal, totally commonplace, happened all the time. You look at a lot of the paintings from, uh, you know, even Renaissance period times, you will see tons of examples of all of this. 
And I think culture too will change things because there are some cultures that are much more openly uh, bisexual or homosexual um, and there are some cultures that are not and repress it. And also I was thinking about like, for example, the Indian culture where it's very normal. You'll see men hugging, holding hands on the street because um, at least back then, because things might have changed from when I was in India, it's already been 15 years. but women, men, PDA, public display of affection is not uh, acceptable, accepted or acceptable. Therefore, the only thing they can do is being uh, affectionate between the same sex. So you'll see a lot of men being very affectionate, uh, but that doesn't mean that they're bisexual. But it's just an interesting thing to know also about the culture. Yeah, and so that's that's why it's important to understand that the culture that you live in, the time period that you live in, has a lot to do with what's considered normal. normal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we dive into some of the different types of bisexuality and come back to really sexual attraction in general, uh, let's give a little break to our sponsors. And this is for all of you couples who are committed but feel stuck in a rut going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to. If you are tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and want fun and don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join a highly sexed power couple platinum program. If you give us 90 days, only 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to celineremy.com forward slash passion and you can find more about the program. celineremy.com forward slash passion. So... All right, I want to go pretty quickly over the different types of bisexuality because I'm more interested into the sexual attraction bits. Yeah, yeah, but this this is interesting because I've never actually seen this scale like and it makes sense when you when you read it. I just I guess I never really thought about it in these terms like of really breaking it down and classifying it, but uh, it's somewhat well done, so I think people might benefit from it. Yeah, and this is why we put it in there. And we, uh, this is not from us. We, we got that too from uh, a search. Uh, but there are diff- five different types. So type number one would be heterosexual leaning. So it's by individuals who consistently experience greater physical and emotional attraction towards people of the other sex. But, you know, sometimes you'll have a bisexual experience. So, so mostly heterosexual. Correct. The second one is homosexual leaning. So it's by individuals who consistently experience greater physical and emotional attraction towards people of the same sex. So mostly homosexual. (laughs) You know, it's like I mostly want vanilla ice cream, but every now and then I have a little chocolate, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Then there is the varied type. So it's by individuals who consistently experience greater emotional attraction towards one gender and greater physical attraction towards the other sex. So experiencing this type of bisexuality can be particularly confusing since society generally expects a person's emotional and physical attraction to match. Yeah, that one's really interesting. It means that you get your sexual needs fulfilled by one sex and your emotional needs fulfilled by another one. That's very interesting. 
And then there's the 50-50 type. Well, it's a myth that all bi people experience equal attraction to men and women. There are bi-identified individuals who do experience a nearly even split of 50-50 between their attraction to men and women. And then last but not least is the outside the binary. And that's really the only little blip we'll go into here. Uh, But many bi people find that uh, potential partner's gender expression is unimportant and they are more interested in a person for their personality. So there, these people are more likely to be physically and or emotionally attracted to people who identify outside of the gender binary. In addition to men and women, these people may also identify as pansexual, uh, which is similar orientation to bisexuality. But some people may identify more strongly with one label or the other or use both interchangeably or even they might be dating people who identify as they, non-binary. I mean, this is like a rabbit hole that we are not going to get into. Right. And, you know, honestly, it's not really any, it's not really much different than the 50-50, right? Because in the 50-50, you're just as happy with a man or a woman. All this is really saying is, you're not picking it based on the physical gender. You're picking it based on the personality of the person and whatever gender they happen to be, they happen to be. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a slight variation. But I would also add here, like, okay, so somebody broke this down and they created all these different types. Don't get hung up on the labels. <laughs> this, this whole thing that we do in society nowadays with labels, you're this or you're that or you're this or you're this thing and that thing, really all it does is serve to divide us. I know, I know a lot of you are like, yeah, but it gives me an identity and it allows me to blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe. But all I really see in our society is more division and more division and more division. Because I'm pan this and you're 50 that and you're homo this or you're hetero that or like blah, blah. Like, honestly, just forget all of that. Don't get caught up with what the labels are. Do what feels right for you as an individual. And who gives a crap what the label is? (laughs) Great piece of advice. So let's talk a little bit now more about sexual attraction and the psychology behind sexual attraction. If you understand the psychology behind it, it's, you'll see that it's not always straightforward. What makes it that we are attracted towards one person versus another? And how we become sexually attracted to someone isn't always clear-cut. So there's not always like this path where you know for sure how you got there. Sometimes it has to do with how successful we perceive a person to be. Other times it has to do with winning the person over. You know, for some people it's like like that chase, like that really appeals to them. Or the fact that they have um, similar personalities or that they complete opposite. I mean, everybody is a little bit different. And I don't know, I have some theories too that with our sexual attraction, a lot of people are messed up and it's based a lot on our interactions with our parents and how we were dealt with as children. So for most women, it will be something about uh, being attracted to men that remind them of their dad. And if they didn't feel very loved by their dad, they often will pick men who will uh, have the same qualities and behavior of their dad um okay so now (laughs) now you're venturing into the big pink elephant in the room the age-old debate (laughs) 
that never seems to get solved, which is, uh, is homosexuality uh, something you're born with? Nurtured or or nature. Exactly. Or is it something that you've learned, which is the classic nurture or nature argument? Let's just say it's both. It's both, and it depends. And it doesn't mean it's both in every person. It means in some people, they were born that way, and in other people, it's a learned behavior. So now that we've got that out of the way, you can all stop any complaining or negative comments that you were going to put. It is definitely both. Some people, it literally is learned, which is why you will see them flip and flop back and forth, right? And for other people, it is literally nature. Like, that's how they were, and it's constant, and it doesn't change. That's 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 very good to bring that up. So I want to talk about number one because I was fascinated when I found this data. So apparently our mood affects how attracted we are to a stranger. And they did an experiment where they showed people photos prior to them meeting strangers. And there were two different groups. The people who were shown cute animal photos like little kittens and stuff tends to feel more attracted to the strangers after having seen those photos than those who were shown photos of like snakes or scary things. So their mood, there was a strong correlation between their mood and how they reacted to a stranger. So this is an important one to know that maybe, just maybe, if you are not sure, if you want to attract somebody in your life, like check in, like how do you usually feel internally? And <laughs> All right. So here's the deal, right? You're, you're a hetero couple, man, woman. You're about to go out and try to attract a unicorn into your existence, right? <laughs> which, is, which means it's going to be same sex for somebody, right? Just go on the internet and watch lots of videos of cute kittens before you go out. It, it, trust, trust me, it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the second thing that uh, plays a role in sexual attraction is similarity. So we more often choose a partner that's about as physically attractive as we are. And there's also a prominent factor when you consider your partners often have a similar intellectual capacity to your own. Unless, of course, you're a wealthy older man. <laughs> In which case, you will probably go after women much, much younger than you are and probably a whole lot better looking than you are. <laughs> well, there is some truth to that one. We, there's no denying that. So that is true. But in general... Uh, it is true, too, that when you tend to have a, too much of a gap in your um, your scores, I hate saying that, I know, by the way, I, but, this is why. But know? it's totally true. We talk about this all the time, right? Like on a, on, a, on a scale of one to 10, right? You always look at couples and you say, oh, they're both about a six, you know, or they're, you know, oh, you know, he's a five and she's like a seven, but it's pretty close. Those relationships, this, I mean, this is totally non-scientific, but those <laughs> relationships actually tend to last longer than the ones where you'd be like, wow, he's kind of like a four and she's like a nine, you know, like that, those generally don't last all that long. And this was something that I think one of our guests had brought into one of the shows. I can't really remember. I mean, we're at 168 shows, so I can't remember everyone. Uh, but he was saying that it's about like two points is about the maximum uh, gap you can go like. Um, yeah, I think it was like, the, was that the dating coach that we had on the show that was talking about that? 
I don't remember either. I think it might. I think it might have been Manny. Manny, it was yeah, Manny. Yeah, yeah. I remembered okay. the first name, but I don't remember the last name. But yeah, yeah. Yes. He, and he well, so he ran a business where what he did was match people together, mm-hmm. and he did this for years. And so one of the things that he noticed is if he matched people together that were too far apart in that scale, it, it often didn't work. But if they were closer on the scale, it did. But there's also the part, the intellectual scale here too. So there, there's the physical one, but then that you have similar intellectual level. You may not be interested in the same thing, but that your brains function like. And I feel like you and I really have that. And I didn't have that in previous partnership. Mm-hmm. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, especially nowadays when there's so much going on in the world that requires a certain understanding of the facts. Mm -hmm. If two people have two very different understandings of the facts, it can be very challenging. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that was interesting about uh, attraction to and sexual attraction there is slip-ups is something that is an attraction. And I was like, how how does that show up? And the study showed that when people we view as successful and clever make minor mistakes, like spilling wine on their shirts, maybe have spinach between their teeth, we find them more attractive. I think it comes down to vulnerability, really, because Mm -hmm. I think when... Well, because when you see somebody and you put it on the pedestal and you're like, there's a distance, it's hard to feel attracted to somebody that's like so much higher that you can't reach. If you see a vulnerability, again, it brings you back to that similarity because deep down, you know, you aren't perfect either. Yeah. And I think that that really is the core of it, which is if somebody's too perfect, we don't believe it. Mm -hmm. We don't believe it. We, we, We think that they're lying or they're, you know... They're just putting on their best effort and it's all going to change later on, right? So yeah, if we can see that they have little mistakes, then we go, ah, they're human. Ah, yeah, they're just like me in that sense. So yeah, for sure, I think that's a good one. It's really fascinating. I mean, we could do, we could do multiple shows on just the idea of attraction and what attracts one person to another person and why do those things happen. Um, We obviously do not have the time to go into that in this show, but anytime you're going to talk about attraction, whether it's, you know, heterosexual attraction, homosexual attraction, bisexual attraction, whatever it is, it's worth taking at least a little time to understand attraction in general and how it works and why we tend to be attracted to some things and not other things. And that, that's, that's a deep rabbit hole, right? Because you could even start going into things like we are naturally attracted to people whose faces are more symmetrical. Like that's science. We know that for a fact, right? So there's a lot of things that could potentially cause us to be attracted to somebody. And it's a, it's a fascinating conversation, I think. Well, and if there's one takeaway from today's show and ideas that we've shared are it's really about the attraction. Again, you can feel it, but you don't have to act on it. And attraction can show up in many ways and and in many different sects or, or people. And again, it's to be celebrated. 
And you could have an emotional attraction, you could have a physical attraction, a sexual attraction, and you don't have to always do something about this, but just celebrate the fact that you have a connection with somebody. And sometimes it will mean that you'll be sexual, but sometimes you'll just be best friends, or sometimes it's it's just for a particular moment that you connect with somebody. Yeah, and I think the other big takeaway from this episode is... Don't have any edibles <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want any strange experiences to happen to you. <laughs> An incidental homosexuality that you were not yet open to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know, if it happens to you, it happens to you and you'll survive it. It's, it's not a big deal. Especially nowadays, I believe like it's becoming so much easier to explore anything around the spectrum on your sexuality. And we don't have to be in the closet anymore. I mean, we can tell the stories, we can talk about our homosexual experiences, our bisexual experiences, and people, pretty much all people have some experience of some kind. And so actually celebrate that to the times we live in, that it's so much easier than it was than at different times. For sure. And, and, you know, as we know, this stuff has been around forever. <laughs> and at periods of time where it wasn't socially acceptable, it just went underground. It's and, always been there. But it's always been there. So give yourself permission to feel what you feel, to explore your traction always in in a way that's safe and in a way that has integrity, but give yourself permission. And if you need help with that, reach out to us and work with us, just like Selim was working with her client and helping her client and her client's husband work this out together. We can help you work through any of these types of issues that you might have. All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>